Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby, and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. week hasn't it it's been an emotional week yeah yeah i'm um, hoping it's been a historical week yes but that would be nice yeah yeah um we're talking about the black lives matters protests guys if anyone's not been if anyone's had their head stuck in the sand um this is the has yeah we're talking on sunday um so it's been it's been quite a big week of protests and and yeah yeah it's been a huge week i've i don't know i've been buying some books um which has been i think it's been great to see that lots of books about race have been selling out on all platforms um so yes. i've been buying myself a couple and looking forward to eventually getting those when they are reprinted <laughs> hot off the press We've we've done a bit of introspection, haven't we? Mm, definitely, definitely. We always try to have um, you know diverse stories on the podcast, and it's been mm-hmm. it's not something that we've thought about this week because we're like, oh, we should think about that. It's something that we always think about and have done since the beginning of yeah. the podcast. Um, yeah, but I think we're probably going to try even harder now. Is that fair to say? I think we, there's always room for improvement, isn't there? Definitely, yeah. There's been lots of stats flying around, haven't there, about um, about black women, fertility and motherhood, and they're all just quite scary. Um, we Are The Pants Project had a few stats on her Instagram that yeah. women are two times more likely to face infertility, two times more likely to have a miscarriage, two times more likely to die as an infant, yeah, and five times more likely to die in childbirth. It's hard to fathom why that would be the case now, but it's terrifying. Yeah. So an interesting week, I think, for everyone. Um, how how else has your week been other than educating yourself? Other than educating myself, um, it has been interesting because we also um we also have a rat problem in our house, which. Um, I about the rat problem. Oh, mate, it's we've had pest control around like more times than I care to think about, and they pulled what was described as a rat the size of a cat from under our bath, which had died and was stuck because it was so fucking fat, had stuck behind like a pipe and died. That uh, is horrifying and i feel like we should have done a trigger warning before that description sorry guys yeah um it's been it's been grim man it's been really grim and i don't know why we've got this problem i don't you know we've got two cats so luckily i don't think they would dare come into the actual flat but um but yeah someone was saying that maybe because restaurants are closed rats are kind of displaced almost but i don't know how much truth is in that 
Who knew that gross restaurants are doing us all a service? I know, right? It's like, I mean, I would rather rather they were there than, than here. That's definitely true. <laughs> as long as you know which ones they're at so you don't eat there. Oh my God, it's just <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, my cat keeps catching them and, you know, proudly tottering into the flat with them in her mouth. And I'm like, mate, I love you. Thank you. But please leave. <laughs> Thank you for this gross present. Yeah, exactly. You're very sweet and and a very, very good girl. (laughs) But get out. (laughs) Did she bring them in alive or dead? Alive, most recently. That's been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So we've had to deal with that, which hasn't been much fun. Um, See, Nora is a bit of a wimp and she will catch moths and bring them in. Moths? The extent of her hunting. Oh, my God. Her hunting instinct. I would swap this for moths any day. <laughs> Although moths are I kind of freaky like as well. Much. Yeah, I don't like moths either. Um, how's your week been, mate? Moth free? Moth free. Um, I've just got, I think I've got a bit of the like end of lockdown fear. Mm, okay. Which I think, again, you know, we're talking about privilege. I think that puts me in quite a privileged position because so many of our listeners just want lockdown to be over so that treatment can restart. Mm. But, um, my personal position is I'm in a happy bubble, um, running out of money, to be fair, mm. because John hasn't worked in three mm, months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just got this, like, I just don't want the bubble to pop. Yeah. It's just been, and, and it's funny because, like, I haven't seen any friends at all during this whole time. But I'm always like, a bit scared of having to socialise again. <laughs> it's weird. Well, well, I've known how to have a conversation other than I through know. Zoom. But yeah, the, well, that's it. Because it's a conversation that you can't like control almost. Mm, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a control thing. You can't be it's like, I'm leaving thing. this meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh no, my connection died. Actually, <laughs> the 40 minutes is up, guys. Sorry. FYI, that hasn't actually happened. I have not pretended that my connection died because someone was boring but yeah i mean you know it's the next phase i mean to be fair the virus hasn't actually gone anywhere so i don't know where the lockdown should actually be ending yeah and that there have been like spikes in the northwest and southwest respectively where john's parents live and my parents live of course oh god <laughs> no um Yay. Yeah, it's been blamed on people um flocking to the beaches in the southwest isn't it yeah um which i don't know yeah i it's just hard to say how this is going to go isn't it and i'm not particularly happy about the situation to be fair yeah absolutely but hey onwards and upwards onwards and upwards to the today's podcast yeah so um i would describe today's show as eggy eggy yeah eggy What's eggy about it? And is eggy a good thing? Because I fucking love eggs. So yeah, I don't like eggs that much. You, you, uh, me, and Mister Gabby have that in common. You do. It's true. Not big egg fans. Anyway, um, so first of all, we've got Liz and Nick, and they they're actually talking about the frustration of lockdown. They're not so eggy. They're more on the adoption side today. Okay. So they're just talking about how like lockdown is really frustrating because um they've kind of run out of things to research. Mm. They want to talk to people, but they can't talk to people. Yeah, it's annoying. That is annoying. Um, then we have got an interview with the one that only Sophia Money Coots. Yep. Um, she's a journalist. She's an author. Uh, she featured heavily in a documentary about Tatler that I watched a few years ago. She did. That's where <laughs> I know her from. That was such a good documentary. It was fucking amazing. Yep. Um, so she's. We talk. I think we caught her at a brilliant time for podcast wise. Because she's kind of, at the moment, she was about to freeze her eggs. Mm. And then she was suddenly like, maybe I just get some sperm and get on with it. Yeah. So, like, she's trying to decide whether or not to go it alone. Yeah, that is an exciting time, isn't it? Because there's lots going on in her head at the moment. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of caught her, like, at this time when she's kind of making this decision. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, the only thing to say about that is that the sound was a little bit on the funny side. So apologies when we go a little bit telephone vocals. Yes, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. It's, it's a little bit 90s. perils of lockdown interviews. 
Yes, the perils of lockdown interviews. So um, please forgive us for the sound quality, but I think the interview more than makes up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure does. And mm-hmm. Professor Tim is talking about... Egg sharing. Egg sharing. Yeah, so he's gone eggy too. Eggy, eggy, eggy. Um, cool, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, I think it's a really great show. Excellent. Well, we hope you all enjoy it. And if you do... You could always rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, but mostly on Apple Podcasts. And also make sure you subscribe. And follow us on some social medias. Please follow us on social medias. You can follow us on Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. On Facebook. Big Fat Negative. On Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. And you can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the show. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired, considering I have done nothing much all day. And why have you done nothing much all day? Because we're in lockdown. We're in lockdown. Yes. So we are, in our world, in the midst of coronavirus lockdown. It's been, what, week three in our house? Um, Obviously, this is going out in the future, so we don't know where you guys will be by then, but at the moment, we're on lockdown. Um, with more, further, more um, locked down, lockdown to come if people stop, don't stop behaving themselves. Don't Indeed. start behaving themselves, actually. I can tell you my future self will have been perfectly paved. Yes. At the time this goes out. <laughs> Promise. Yeah. He's great. He is great. He's a great guy. Future self yeah. and current self. Both excellent. Um, so we're on lockdown. Yep. So what have we been doing this week? Uh, I had a look at some uh, first for adoption info. Would you like to explain info. more about that? I don't know, something you sent me. <laughs> so, so to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and you told me to read. Yeah. So it's like, that's yeah, what I've done. Have some homework. So it's just that, it's just bits and bobs about different areas of adoption to consider. Yeah. Such as children from neglect. Yes. Anything else? Oh, is that how far you've gotten? No, I got to about the third one. Okay, which was? Uh, like children of different ethnicities. It's like a test. <laughs> but I don't think I listened to the sound file on that one yet or I started to and did something else okay so you mentioned sound files would you like to explain what this first for adoption thing is all about as in what format it takes it's on the website yes yes there's a bit of a text to read there is and then an audio file to listen to yeah so obviously being in lockdown um, I understand from a few people that I follow online that um, things are still happening as far as matching and adoption is concerned. But I don't think that, from what I have seen, I don't think there's anything happening in terms of, obviously, um, initial meetings, as, as in inqui- initial inquiry meetings. And we couldn't really find anything else to go to. Um, given the current circumstances. So it was really difficult to find um, a bit more information because obviously as much as we are in this current situation, we don't know when it's going to end and we kind of want to know what we're going to do when it does end. Indeed. If that even, does that make sense? Yes, it sure <laughs> does. Could they should have order. You know, but I mean... It's really difficult, isn't it, to... I don't know how you feel about it or if you feel the same, but I'm finding it really hard to keep going with the research and the decision-making because it feels very pointless at the moment. There's only so much you can do without having to speak to people or go and have meetings or training... And we don't know when that's going to be yet. No, exactly. It just feels like there's, you know, obviously I know that a few people, quite a few people actually, that I speak with online have had their cycles cancelled. And it's really 
I, I kind of, I guess, demotivating is the right mm. word. feels a little bit like revising for an exam, but you don't know when the exam is. Yeah, and I don't know what the answers are. So... It's just that when you, if you revise for no particular reason, it's hard to be motivated about the revision. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the mo- a more accurate way of looking at, of explaining it than my very waffly way. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Well, you know, you bring the you bring the funnies. That wasn't funny. Sorry, you bring the serious, serious. The seriouses. Um, I mean, how do you feel about? Obviously, I'm chucking this homework at you. Do you feel particularly motivated to look at it, or do you feel a bit well, yeah, like what's the point? Interesting. I could read those stories all day, really. But what do you get from them? Like, I just like to hear people's experiences. Okay, that's the that's the bit I get. Well, the academic side's interesting. Yeah, because so this this um, so there's a website uh, called First Steps for Adoption, and um, it's I think it's a seat like a nine is it nine elements I think so there's quite a few elements around nine elements yeah element three exactly you need to push forward with this now Crumbs. um basically um. I think it re- it tries to give you as much of an insight as possible into the types of children that would be put up for adoption, the types of issues you may encounter in adoption. Um, and it's actually quite a good tool for people in a, in a position like us who can't really go and speak to people because, quite rightly, social workers are dealing with far bigger issues at the moment. Indeed. Um but equally, it's quite difficult. I mean, obviously, you just said you find them quite interesting. And it's not that I don't find it interesting. I'm just still finding it really difficult to connect with words on a page. Yeah. That's what I prefer hearing real-life stories than academic sides of it. Just because it's more relatable to me. Yeah. I mean... I'm not an academic, as you know. <laughs> You're an academic enough. Yeah. Um, but, you Ten know... GCSEs. Just to... Uh, just to sort of, I don't know, pull it back, I suppose. Um, we invested in Disney Plus. Boom. There it is. <laughs> Mic drop. And we've been watching... And you're going to look at me like I'm completely crazy here, but we've been watching... Why would I look at you like I'm watching it too? <laughs> no, no, but about what I'm It's awesome. I don't know where you're... Um, but we just started watching Boy Meets World, for those of you who remember this TV show, Corey and the Gang. And in an episode that we just watched, there was references to adoption. And as unrealistic as the entire thing was... It's very touching. It's very touching and stuff like that really kind of... And that was on the back of another other episode where a child was born that was in serious... Had serious medical conditions. Respiratory difficulties. Exactly. So, Thanks, doctor. You know, but you're welcome. So if you, you know, looking for a bit of a tug at the heartstrings nostalgia, Boy Meets World is... Or you just want me to do a review of each episode. <laughs> Quite happy to see that. Is that what you're going to start doing on yeah. your Instagram? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe There well. are a lot of episodes, though. There are a load of episodes. Anyway, we digress. Um... And I think it's that visual stuff that really I connect with far more. And I'm not ever going to get that with adoption because all you ever see of it on TV is this kind of Hollywood sparkly version. Do you know what I mean? Of like either extreme love or extreme distress, which, yes, that can happen in real life. But the chances of it happening... You know, us having be, being placed, being have a child placed with us. Look, my words out. Having a child placed with us who has had that extreme distress. I don't know how likely that is, and it's really difficult to be be able to acknowledge if that's something that I can do when I don't really feel like I, I've got an accurate picture of what mm. doing it looks like. Sorry, Donovan, but it was good. Yeah, yeah, which we have talked about before. So sort of, I think the 
most in-depth look at adoption I've seen because all the real-life accounts are quite short and sweet, aren't they? And, and understandably, people don't want to go into detail because it's very upsetting. But equally, you almost feel like you want that slap in the face. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you want to take a bit of a mixture of both. You can't have all the good ones, I suppose. Well, no, you can't. I have to. You have to go. But in then the... you can't have all the bad ones as well. No, but you have to be a realist, and I think it's easier to be a realist if you can see your worst case scenario. Yeah. And 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 know if you can accept that wor- and deal with that worst case scenario. Mm. I think you can. It all comes with like the the tick list of what you can and can't handle, mm. so you can mitigate it to a certain. But again, you know, you get to that point once you've committed to a certain degree, don't you? Mm. And I certainly wouldn't want to be a person who, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I, I certainly wouldn't judge anyone who does do this, but who gets to a certain point and then's like, nah, do you know what? This mm. is too hard. No. It's not for me, kids. No. Because, you know, it's, well, from a logical perspective and a frank perspective, it's wasting everybody's time. Yep. So you want to either know, yes, is this something I can commit to, or no, I can't. And it's I'm really struggling to figure out if how I find that out. And I know, you know, obviously going back to, um, right back to the start when we had that counselling session, she was very much like, you will only ever be 49% sure. No, 51% sure. sure. Wrong way around. Um it's really difficult to even be 51% sure when you know that there's like this whole... I don't think once you commit to it, it becomes a bit different. It's like, I don't think you're always going to be 51% ill once you made the decision. I think you won't be constantly doubting yourself, I think, yeah. once you start moving towards it and decisions be made. I don't think you'll get to the point where you have a child and still 49% of you be thinking... We should have gone down that other route. Well, no, I don't. I no, I think that's right. But I think my, well, my overthinking brain is kicking in big time, and it's probably being made worse by the fact that we're just in this limbo land of even if we do make a decision, what the hell are we going to do with that decision anyway? Um, and I guess to some degree with adoption, it was always going to be a bit of a waiting game because we weren't able to do anything until May, but we're at the beginning of April and, you know, even though March was 70 million days long, um, I suspect that April will go like a shot and we'll be in May and then it'll probably be even more like, or I guess recognise more that we... Just hanging around, waiting for someone to open the doors, and so we can help, like, start deciding on our future. Fingers crossed it'll be soon for everyone's sake. Well, yeah. I think it's just it. It's it's hard not to feel despondent about it, and I don't know if it's just me that feels that way, or if you've even had any thoughts about how actually this whole coronavirus situation will affect our I don't know. I think at the moment, I just feel that it's not everything's on hold at the moment. So it's not... You're trending more on every aspect of your life, not just your fertility. Yeah. It's just a sort of spread out evenly frustration Mm. on all parts. So... Yeah, just wanted to move forward a bit now. As much as I understand, obviously, being, you know, having had infertility for a long time, we are experts in the waiting mm. game. It, I don't know, it was almost it was always a waiting game with an end point. Mm. Would it affect your decision if, say, hypothetically, they open, start opening the doors to adoption now, but they said they weren't going for any sort of fertility treatment for another year? Oh, God, I don't know. That's a really good question. Oh, where did that come from? I don't know. I'm a deep, deep man. You are. Oh, my God. Um, oh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think I always really hoped that we would be in a very different place by the end of 2020. You say that every year. <laughs> I know, I know we do. <laughs> but at least it felt a bit now like we had these two like really solid options. Yeah. Both of which could really be game changers for us. And we had a bit more c- control over it. Um, I don't know. Part of me is like, Maybe I would go forward for some for something that was available to me sooner, but mm. also I'm a bit like, is that the right thing to do? Because it's such a major decision, you know? Like, it's not just deciding on, I don't know, what car to get. If this car was available in three months' time and this car was available in six months' time or 12 months' time, would I go for this car just because it's available sooner? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Why not? I'm impulsive. But no, I just think it's such a massive decision. As much as it would be really hard to not... Because I am someone who's like... Pro, I, I'm quite instant gratification, aren't I? Yes, I'm sure. Like, I'm like, if I see it, I want it. Due to the level of boxes, there are parcels that arrive to our house. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> yeah, but at least I can acknowledge that. Yeah, that's... That's great. Still happens. <laughs> I just think it's such a big decision that I just don't know whether yeah. or not I could do it that way. What about you? In some ways, it'd be like, oh, that's the decision made for us because both this, both options are quite positive for me. Yeah. Which is interesting so, because right at the start, you were definitely more of a adoption advocate, whereas now would you say you're sort of more 50-50? Yeah. Well, it's always the end goal for me, anyway, like everyone. Mm. And both end goals are good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying, um, as well as obviously doing this, um, the first steps adoption thing, you know, I make it sound like I finished it, I haven't. Um, I'm also trying to read um, a book on um, donor conception, and I'm finding that really hard as well to get into it and to kind mm. of I, I can't read more than a couple of pages at a time because I think every time I read it I'm feeling very much like what the hell's the point mm. because you know although I've got to say with the, um, the Sally Donovan book it, I would have I quite enjoyed it just for the sake of reading it yeah it was a good story yeah I say, it was an I interesting use, story to yeah. go through I use the sort of Tim's story lightly because of it's it's something that happened to a person, but it was well-written and it was easy to read, wasn't it? Whereas I think this adoption, this, sorry, donor conception book is is very much a book written by a therapist. It's all about um, sort of practicalities and thoughts and feelings and exercises. So it's really making me think about, actually, how do I feel about these things? And that's quite difficult when I'm, like I said, I'm a bit like, well, what's the point? Indeed. So once I finish with it, you get to read it. Yay. Sure. Um, so yeah, tune in next week for the very exciting lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck have we been up to trying to find things to do and research and decide if there is... Could talk about more Boy Meets World. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely have watched more of that yeah. by next week. So, you know, if nothing else you will hear about more episodes of Boy Meets World. Indeed. So, yeah, yep. tune in for that. Maybe watch Toy Story as well. What, three or four? All of them. All of them? Yeah. Oh, you crazy. I, I, I forget that there's more to life than just Boy Meets World on Disney Plus at the moment. It's so easy to watch. Yep. Anyway, yeah. enough, enough, of <laughs> Anywho. Boy Meets, enough of Boy Meets World. Um, we hope you all have good weeks as much as you can. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sophia, it's so nice to have you on here. Thank you very much for having me. We always start off by asking people about their journey. So tell us about your journey and what, what led you to the point you are at now. The fertility journey. Well, so I'm 35. So a lot of your your interviewees start like this. I'm 35. And um, I suppose my journey actually started, um, I remember when I was working at Tatler years ago, a colleague of mine, I think I must have been around 28, she was talking about fertility tests. And I Mm -hmm. was 28, had never, you know, heard of these, thought about these, considered these. And she said, oh, honey, honey, you don't have to worry about these. It's what you do. When you're 35, you go along and you have a little test with the doctor and he just tells you, you know, how many eggs you've got left. And I remember, I so remember sitting in the Tatler office, age 28 and being like, well, I won't have that because by 35, yeah. I'll definitely be married and have like probably two children, if I'm honest. Yeah. And I was like, so that's like great that she's doing this and like really empowering. But I definitely, in my head, I was like, oh, so good for you. But I definitely won't, I won't be there. <laughs> um, and then, and then as I approached, so, so then I broke up with my ex-boyfriend when I was just about to turn 34 I was 33 um and it was hideous horrible very sad breakup and then about a month later I took one of my best friends in to have her eggs frozen or for her egg retrieval basically um because she was so ashamed I've written about this before actually it really broke my heart she was sort of so embarrassed and ashamed that she was having this done as a single 34 year old she didn't tell her parents so she needed someone to take her home afterwards I mean I was an emotional mess at the time anyway because i broken up with my ex not long before and I just found the whole process I was sort of so proud of her for doing it and so heartbroken that she felt like she couldn't tell anybody else about this she felt sort of the the stigma as a single woman um and and I think that's what probably kick-started my thinking more seriously about was it a thing that a process that I should really be considering you know I was single Mm -hmm. I was about to turn 34 and then I, I I spent really the whole the next year sort of reading about it, Googling it, uh, listening to podcasts, really thinking seriously, like, ah, oh, is it worth the cash? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Um, should I work harder at Hinge? No. Um, all those questions that women ask themselves at a certain age. And um, and then decided, decided to do it. And so right before lockdown, just before lockdown, I had started the um, nasal spray and was had been in for various appointments at the Lister where I decided to have it done. Once I decided, it felt Ooh. like a weight, had, I don't know if you guys hear this a lot, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Like, right, the, the hard part for me was like deciding and sort of Ooh. summoning up the courage in a way to sort of, I mean, I feel very pr- privileged and lucky that I can afford to do this, but the deciding and sort of admitting that, right, this is, this is what I'm going to do mm. was, was yeah. tough at points. I think if you're single and this isn't what you dreamt of when you were eight years old, it's, it's a uh-huh. sort of big thing obviously to get your head around. And then once I decided I was so pro it and I was mm. like, this is the most proactive yeah. thing as a woman that I could be doing. And I'm so excited to think that I might be doing this and putting my eggs in the freezer at some point, you know, those could be my baby. One of those could be a baby. Um, and then, so I was really excited, all go, started the nasal spray, gearing up for, I had my injection lesson, and then obviously, lockdown, Boris went on telly. Luckily, I hadn't paid the full amount. <laughs> I only paid for it. 
Um, so, so, and I've had various emails. I think obviously all um, clinics are desperate. I mean, I feel very, very lucky. See, so there have been lots of stories about women you know, waiting to have IVF after their first round or maybe it's their third, fourth, fifth round. I mean, really, really difficult for them. So I feel like I can't really grumble. And I and I don't feel, you know, it's it's like I, I wrote this in a Times piece I did the other day. It's disappointing as opposed to devastating. Um, yeah, but it, I, it's still upsetting, isn't it? It's frustrating, I imagine. Something that I think you psych yourself up for and I had like cleared the diary and I was like, right, these weeks yeah. in my calendar, I'm probably not going to feel much like going out for supper because I don't know what the effects of the injections are going to be like and I'm might be the size of a barrel so I'd sort of yeah I'd, uh-huh. I'd mentally prepared myself and then and then lock down and so have they been clear with you about how it's going to restart how you'll kind of take it forward again well I mean they've been I get I would say clearer than our prime minister about well, that's not hard <laughs> um I think obviously most clinics were told that from the 11th of May they could sort of start opening again but then they had to have some sort of check like a you know they have to be cleared mm. that they can start again so really for yeah. the 18th yeah. I don't know I've sort of forgotten the technical terms but really from the 18th they were allowed I mean I feel like I actually I tried to call them I called them last week and said are you prioritizing women who were due to have IVF which is as I expect it should be and totally fair and they couldn't really answer that they said could I risk that <laughs> so I think every there's sort of question marks over stuff and then they did send out obviously anyone on the listers um list uh as a patient they did send out a sort of flow chart of you know are you this patient this patient this patient last week um so cool. I actually I think I need to ring them and hopefully I mean I, I have undenied again in this process I, I I did think a few weeks ago I was like well if we're going to be in lockdown for months and I can't get back into a clinic for months um maybe I sort of jump the the egg freezing process and think harder about sort of donors next year or something um so this is an internal battle I've been having with myself um and what so what are the two sides to this because you wrote a piece in the times about this Yes, I wrote a piece in the Times. I basically, I got my head around egg freezing and I thought, okay, if I egg freeze, I, I just thought, well, I'm not ready. If someone handed me my baby to a baby tomorrow, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet, but I'm, yeah. I'm basically playing for time. So I thought, okay, do egg, the egg freezing. And then if I'm still yeah. single and I'm sort of at the point in my life where I'm really happy being single again, and I would, I think, be happy to be single for a, for a while. Um, so I was like, okay, well, if I egg freeze now and then maybe in a couple of years... I can think about donors and it's so weird. I just have sort of discounted. It's like now I've made a decision. I've sort of discounted doing it with sort of a boyfriend at all. It's that's quite liberating in a way, I think. Yeah. Instead of hedging my bets and being like, Oh, maybe I'll meet him tomorrow. It does take the pressure off. Definitely. But I, I think, I think probably my parents slightly worry sometimes. And they're a bit like, actually, in fact, a friend of mine texted me last week and she's like, you know, don't totally discount the idea. Anyway. So I'm sort of concentrating on myself at the moment. And I, and I, and I said, so that's what I thought. I thought egg freeze. And then maybe in a couple of years, I'd start thinking about donors when I was like 37 ish. And then, yeah, so a couple of things. Really, lockdown happened, and I, as I wrote in that piece, I've been living... In January, I moved into my sister's house, where I am now, in Crystal Palace, and she has two girls, my nieces, who are seven and nine, and lives here with her husband. And I, God, if you told me that I was going to be sort of locked up with them for months and months and months without knowing when I was going to get out at the beginning of this, I would have sort of slightly panicked, because I'm quite independent, like my space. Mm. Um, And then I just sort of as we settled into lockdown and th- the rhythm of it, I found myself actively even like not minding the tantrums and the screaming about eating broccoli and the sort of hissy fits about bath time and bedtime. I really sort of enjoyed like getting involved and sort of mm. telling them off for certain things as well as like <laughs> reading them Harry Potter in bed. And I just found uh-huh. myself feeling way more maternal than I ever had because I've lived on my own or with flatmates for a long time and I've never really been around like a young family and I think for ages I've also been quite defensive about my sort of single status and being like it'll happen when it happens like don't pressure me mum or although actually my mum is amazing and very hands-off in that regard you know when like married friends would ask prying questions and if you're single I think at a certain age as a woman you can be a bit defensive and probably as a guy potentially allowed myself to sort of think about having a young family of my own and in, in, in that sort of perfect scenario, although obviously not, such a thing doesn't exist. And, and it was sort of protective measure for me. And I just imagined myself, like me by my own, maybe a baby in a few years, and then living with this young family and having a really great time and, you know, loving my nieces crawling into bed with me and shouting about losing their teeth and taking them for dragging them around the park for walks. 
um, I just suddenly realised, God, I really, really, I do want this. I think also lockdowns obviously made us sort of all reassess about, reassess what sort of really, really matters. And that's not yeah. whether I can get a pret sandwich, to be honest, although I am missing. But I would, I think for a baby to an egg mayo pret sandwich now and that is never something that I would have said you know three months ago so I did suddenly have this thing the other day where I was like maybe I just scrap the egg freezing and I go straight to donut and I had about a week where I really really thought I was really considering it and decided that was pretty much the thing that I was going to do and I, I had so I felt so happy I went for a, a walk and I was thinking about it and I, it gave me such a feeling of joy suddenly and I was like I totally know this is the thing that I want to do um, and then they announced earlier than expected that clinics might be reopening <laughs> So now what I'm thinking is, and also if I went straight to the donor, yeah, it's still expensive, but that would save me money. You know, if it's, I mean, yeah. t- this is all touch wood. I talk about this. I don't want to talk about it too flippantly because obviously having a baby, getting pregnant, having a baby isn't as easy as just, you know, finding a sperm donor. There are many hurdles to, to jump. Um, but I thought that it would potentially save money. And yeah, it's nice. I feel like it's nice to think about it kind of optimistically, like. I could just, you could just go and do that. Yeah, and it could work. And, it could and, work. I, and that, I think that's quite liberating for a single woman. You know, I've got various single girlfriends who really, really, they're my age and they really mind being single and they're really struggling <laughs> um, with that. And they, you know, every party or every wedding they go to, it's like, who's it going to, you know, checking out the single guy. And I've totally been there. I've totally been in that place where you're just like, who's it going to be and who can I snog tonight or who can, you know, and you're sort of frantically swiping and swiping and swiping. And I, since my breakup with my ex, what it was, a year and a half ago, have like, worked really hard and I feel like I've come on this journey and have got back to a place where I'm genuinely sort of happy and love my own space um so why not just throw a baby into the mix they're heard they're really easy they give you loads of space much easier than boyfriends (laughs) um some boyfriends uh so now clinics are opening so actually I just I think maybe I mean it's I'm now sort of slightly going for the most expensive option maybe do a round of egg freezing which is like my insurance and then potentially just think you know go down the donor route next year and then say I met someone in four or five years time and was madly in love and wanted to have a baby and uh, and then at least I had eggs in the freezer if it was more difficult at that point if that makes sense yeah so you've been in lockdown and you've been obviously like the rest of us like scrolling twitter furiously and glued to social media right um presumably like the rest of us you've been hearing parents kind of complaining about being stuck in lockdown with their kids and oh it's so hard and you know i have you been feeling that that it's a bit strange that you're now thinking about having kids um no because I fully appreciate I I mean I'm sure it's one of those things that you you just cannot understand how hard it is until you get there and you've got you know your your baby babies children and how you know the the hard work that it all takes I I feel like because I've got uh siblings with children and I I, my mum had a my brother when I was uh, my half brother when I was 13 so I was quite involved when he was sort of little I hope I'm not totally naive about the the level of hard work and uh, and the effort that babies take I mean again I'm sure it's one of those things you just have no idea until the juggernaut hits you and you're like whoa okay I read that it was hard but I didn't know they meant this um and I, and I do so appreciate that oh my god the people who are trying to do full-time jobs and and homeschooling and everything at the moment like it's it's a lot it's it's too much but um, and I actually had talked to a friend of mine who's having, she's uh, about to be 37 and she's having similar thoughts about, shall I have a baby on my own for that times piece? I talked to her and she was saying, she talked to a friend, who, a single mother who was doing it and it was, it was pretty hellish. Um, and, uh, but I, I still think, I'm hoping that by the time I get around to it, we won't be in lockdown basically. <laughs> I think like I've got the world's most supportive family. So I think having talked to friends of mine who've had babies by themselves, that's a pretty key factor. I've got my mum is single and is has no grandchildren and I think would probably practically move in with me. And <laughs> my dad and my stepmom literally couldn't be more enthusiastic or encouraging about this. And I think everyone in fact one of them said to the other day, who was it? I think it was after that time speed, they were like, Well it's not just it's not gonna be your, it's not going to be soft baby. It's going to be like the family baby. Um, but I kind of love that idea that like I, all my, I've got four siblings and everyone sort of swoops in and, and helps out. And again, I'm sure that's incredibly naive and I have no idea. And it'll, you know, there'll be moments when I'm like, why the hell did I choose this? If this is the route that I go down, but I still think I'd rather go down this route than, you know, I look at some of my friends and potentially sort of settle with someone that I'm not that keen on just for the sake of yeah. having a baby with him. Well, you, you talk about, um, the women that are kind of embarrassed about having egg freezing 
and then but your own experience of feeling empowered by the ability of it and the possibilities like do you feel like shaking these women and being like don't be embarrassed about this it's great you're you know totally the thing and that's why i that's why i'm writing and want to write about it a lot more the thing that i've really noticed and i i did write about this i went to one of the list open evenings and i arrived the first there and you know little room slideshow at the front biscuits and orange juice set up and i sat down and was sort of faffing about on my phone probably and i and i every time someone came in i sort of looked up and there's a sort of you know shy like grimace you could sort of go sort of slightly avoiding eye contact and i noticed all these women they look like you know they look like a lot of my girlfriends they look like they had sort of you know good job like city professional jobs you know nice Uh hair nice handbags and they came in and there was just such a sort of sense of embarrassment and shame and they all slunk to the back of the class and and sat in the back row and sort of very were very self-consciously like sort of taking notes and no one i i suppose i'm i'm hopefully going to record my own podcast about it so I sort of felt like Mm -hmm. I was there partly with a professional hat on and maybe that was my sort of suit of armour in a way that I was like I'm here in a personal capacity but also in a professional journalist capacity so I can stick my hand up and ask all these questions to the extent I think the poor doctor was quite annoyed I could just so sense that these women who were clearly like successful women in in you know their field and their profession were really sort of yeah ashamed in a way to be there when I think it should be a really empowering obviously again I sort of have to I feel like I have to keep saying it's obviously if you can do it if you can afford to do it you're very fortunate but it shouldn't be something you feel embarrassed about it shouldn't be a taboo or a, a stigma because it's it's such a great choice if you can do it yeah how do we change that? Well, I don't, this is why I want to talk about it more and try and make it... And I don't think... It's not an overnight thing, is it? If you look at, like, the way that our society still fetishizes weddings and being married and that culture, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. You know, I wrote that Times piece and I, I was... Uh, the other day about, you know, thinking about going down this route and having a baby with a sperm donor and I was really surprised. A friend of mine married with two children slightly like came at me on whatsapp she started sending me messages being like but don't you realize the evidence is that children do better with two parents and don't you want to do it with someone and and i was she's one of my most intelligent friends and i i sort of i i I can be quite a people pleaser and normally i don't really fight back but i i did say like hang on actually my mum basically was a single mother for kind of a single mother with raising my half brother and and like no 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 this isn't you know I sort of I've grown up with steps and halves and I think families that sort of look quote different are very wonderful um thing but it was really interesting the friend of mine sort of who I would never have guessed really took me on and felt so strongly about it I think there is this very sort of traditional I don't know if it's because she sort of felt threatened in a way I, I think there are there are yeah. people potentially who sort of wish who might wish in I don't know certain relationships and marriages oh I I sort of wish I'm could have maybe made that choice or thought about that a bit harder rather than feeling like I had to find someone and settle down. I don't know if that's part of it. I feel like when when the conversation turns to procreation, everybody feels judged if you don't do exactly what they did. Often. Like, and it it goes from anything from, from how you make the baby to how you raise it. People want to put their oar in and they they want you to do it their way. It's really odd. What, they, what people read it as is you did yeah. wrong and I'm doing it right. I think that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I've seen what you've done. In this case, with my friend, yeah. I think she's like, it's as if I've said, oh, I've seen what you've done. You've got married and you've had two children. You've done it that way. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and it's, it's yeah. not like one way is better or one way is worse. You know, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm, I, you know, I think this will obviously quite, and I think it is quite quickly becoming more normal. And if I look at the number of my yeah. girlfriends and friends who are, you know, bringing up children on their own, I'm so in awe of them. Um, but I was really surprised that, yeah, that a friend of mine clearly felt so strongly and had sort of such 1950s views about it. You've written about it quite a few times now. What's the response been like from readers? So, like, obviously, maybe your friends have had one experience, but... When I was emailing the, the editor at the Times about it, I was saying, oh, God, Nicola, I'm just I'm a bit worried that the Times readers are all sick of my ovaries. And she's like, no, 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 <laughs> we love your ovaries. Um, uh, really, really, I mean, enormously positive, which is why I felt... That's why sort of I decided... So the big I did a big piece last August, which was for the Times magazine, which was like, that was asking the question, like, should I freeze my eggs? Shouldn't I? And I... And that was... I got such a... I got so many 
again, I can I can tell the sense of shame. I got so, so many DMs and emails from mostly from women saying thank you for talking about this. I've just had my you know second egg collection or my second round of egg freezing, and I felt so ashamed and embarrassed. But the fact that you're talking about it is really great, and and that's when I decided there was more to it, and I wanted to do a podcast about it. Um, and then again after this Times piece recently, um, like really 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 hugely positive apart from this this friend of mine and um i got i mean i cannot tell you the number of emails i got from guys offering me their sperm you'd think if you were going to write to a woman offering her your sperm you would potentially spell donor correctly wouldn't you well that's a good way for you to choose if if they could spell it correctly (laughs) then they're in no and also i but i did get some i got a couple of um really like heartfelt very in fact a few like very considered emails from guys being like i think you know i've been thinking about this and would you be open to co-parenting because that's another thing that i wouldn't discount and i'm quite interested in because i've got um a couple of friends who are doing the co-parenting thing um so so yeah i mean largely enormously positive um always always messages from from women who just say thank you for talking about this because you know i think i felt so ashamed Mm. No, it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, we were the same about infertility in general, I suppose, you know. Massively. Isn't that amazing still in 2020 that, you know, it's it's sort of such a a thing that people feel they can't talk about. I think it all comes down to, like, are you a proper woman? Yeah, exactly. It strikes at, like, what we were sort of technically put on this earth for, right? Yeah. So even I got this email from a guy, the longest email I got last week after my Times piece, and it was, he was clearly intelligent, um, really long. I mean, it must have been sort of 5,000 words long, basically saying, um, I'm so interested in this area and I have a child already and would you consider co-parenting? But there was a tone, there was a to- there was a sort of, let me tell you, young lady, what you should be doing. And he said at one point, you're not a heifer who should be, you're not a prize heifer who should be inseminated. La, la, la. And I was like, whoa, quite an intelligent, reasonable email to actually sounding quite unpleasant and talking to a woman in a way that yeah. I just don't accept frankly and I don't want to obviously tar all men with this obviously it's very unfair with the same brush but even when there was a sort of intelligent guy who was I thought was sort of making quite quite a few sensible points then suddenly it switched it did again remind me that I, there are very feudal views um so you've got another that's just come out and it's about a woman who gets accidentally pregnant who is I have to say a character that our listenership would not be a huge fan of that must have been quite an interesting character for you to write right now i basically i i came to it i've been interested i i had one of my ex-boyfriends basically had a baby with an ex that was supposedly a sort of accident um he believed he was told it was an accident and um i I, and and it really affected our relationship because the baby was i think one when we started going out and it was really difficult with his ex obviously because she Mm. had a baby and and then a toddler and it it basically um for i mean there were lots of other reasons as well but you know caused the end of our relationship um and i've always been quite interested around the what around i mean we tatler years ago we tried to write a piece at one point about the topic of sperm burgling um what's that well when a woman turns around and says i'm pregnant and accidentally and it might not necessarily be true i mean i'm trying to use my pick my words so carefully because it's such a sort of difficult topic mm-hmm. um someone else in the tatler office had sort of experienced it and then obviously there were the cases where you know like um, Boris Becker and um, Liz Hurley as well supposedly was accused of it and I mean it's wow. as old as the hills right this thing of men going well you you know it, it's baby trapping basically I was just quite interested in the in the sort of dynamics around it so I decided to write a having sort of experienced it via my ex-boyfriend and seen uh-huh. how that had sort of played out for a bit and how complicated and fraught that was and yeah. how sort of conflicted he felt clearly because had he been lied to but he loved his, his child and anyway complicated so I decided to write try and write a rom-com about it why not <laughs> um and so yeah so my heroine Lil um, goes on a first date and uh, and doesn't expect to you know have a particularly great time because it's her first date after a breakup and actually has a whale of a time. Uh, goes back to his um, flat and sleeps with him and then turns out basically that she yeah she's pregnant. I mean, I'm trying to again talk. I don't want to reveal the whole plot line. Um, that's the fairly fundamental part of it. 
uh, and 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 she she didn't do it deliberately because I mean it would be obviously quite hard to write a sort of sympathetic character who did that. But but then he turns around and he does accuse her of it at one point, and there's this very fraught thing, and he demands a paternity test, and blah 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 blah. blah. It all sort of plays out in a sort of rom com vein, <laughs> in a sort of Richard Curtis esque way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's where that came from, really. And I did spend a lot of time last summer. Um, sort of looking at I wrote a piece for You magazine about this um, because you know I spent a lot of time now on forums on the internet looking up I mean I did lit- I literally found forums and threads where women were discussing sort of how many holes you have to put in a condom I found forums where women were sort of confessing to turning condoms inside out putting them over vibrators and sort of trying to put them up inside them basically in fact you oh know like really like yeah grim sort of confessional stuff i mean oh you know liz jones is the ultimate do you remember she wrote that column years and years ago yeah. um about about trying to turn a condom, a condom inside out when she was married to her husband nerpal she's been you know she was very honest about it um but so yeah so i sort of explored all that and and then yeah how did i get onto? Th- i think i think so basically last summer i was writing a lot around this area and yeah. i did then also write a piece about um london sperm bank and was researching that so yeah i went on the website and i did sort of investigate that and look up profiles um and i went on the california one of the california sperm banks which is fascinating you guys might know this but it claims to be more exclusive than harvard because they accept less than one percent of all donors so i kind of love that is it extremely expensive I think it's quite expensive, but also you can get, you know, if you pay more, you get higher levels of like access and you get like handwriting samples. You can get, um, I think handwriting, you can get handwriting samples so you can, you know, have it analyzed and see what your baby daddy, you know, what it says about him. You can get a, a video of them like reading a poem or singing a song. Because in the UK, you're not even allowed pictures, are you? You're allowed baby pictures. Which I had a really interesting discussion last summer when I was interviewing someone, a, a, a woman who was, um, I think she was like five months pregnant. She decided to do it by herself, by herself and she'd gone she'd got her she found a donor on the london sperm bank website and it really informed me actually she had decided she didn't want to see a picture at all because she said to me this is purely genetic material it will in no way be a father i'm never going to refer to him as a father in front of my child and i really don't want to ever be looking at my child and thinking is that are they his eyes are those his ears is that his nose and i also don't want my family doing that looking at my child having seen a picture of my donor thinking and i thought that was so that completely changed my mind and i thought yeah that's so wise that's so brilliant i can completely i'm totally on board with this and then i i had dinner with um a couple a lesbian couple friends of mine about two well just before lockdown because i was wanting to talk to them about how where they found their donor which was america and they were like no you've got to have a picture because like what if he has like buck teeth or like really bad ears and i was like yeah shit i hadn't yeah no now i'm with you guys like you must have a picture so yeah yeah, that was going to be my question, actually, was have you considered what, what you would like to know? Like, do you want a sample of handwriting? Uh, I think, I don't think I necessarily want handwriting, but I do think, you I mean, it's it's mostly baby pictures, isn't it? I mean, I think it's quite common for women, obviously, to pick baby pictures that look quite like themselves, so that your baby might look, you know, not a million miles from what you look like as a baby. Um, so, yeah, so, but it, but my mum and I, my mum and I keep joking, like, mum, honestly, I wrote this in the Times speech, she keeps sort of seeing, like, handsome men on telly and sort of screenshotting them and sending me pictures being like, ooh, possible sperm donor. I'm like, mum, it really <laughs> definitely doesn't work like that. No, no. But it's kind of sweet. Like, they're also, they're also excited and enthused and they really want to, like, you know, at Christmas at one point there was a discussion about whether we should all go on a sperm bank website and help me, you know, narrow down the odds. Oh. Although I'm not sure, with my, I love my family to death, but we've all, we're also opinionated. I'm not sure it's going to help. It's like, no, not that one, not him, not him. It's nice that they're so engaged, though. Yes, no, very, very enthusiastic. <laughs> I guess it's it's why we choose our, like, at a very kind of biological level, it's why we choose our mates is because we think, oh, he's handsome, he'll make beautiful children. Yeah, yeah, at a very well, basic level. It's yeah. it's the yeah. provider thing, yeah. isn't it? As well, like, can they provide and look after us in a sort of caveman way? I mean, I haven't got, I, I like, I'm, I don't have like, you know, when women are like, oh, he's my type, or he's, I don't have mm. that really. So I haven't got far much. I haven't got very into like, what what hair color would I like in my donor? What eye color? Um, probably tall, but we'll see. Basically, Tavira, it's been so lovely to have you on. It's been so nice to chat. We have now been chatting for a very long time. Um, it's been me, 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 me. But I suppose that's. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that's why we're interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I'll. 
our last question is what is your advice for somebody who's in your position who's kind of trying to decide what to do do I go for egg freezing do I go for a donor sperm like what would you say to them I think um if you're a single woman in my position I think um have you guys heard of a book called in her own sweet time no I read it actually just before lockdown and it's about she it was basically like reading about myself it was it, to be fair it was written mm-hmm. probably a decade ago maybe slightly less um but she was a woman exactly the same position had just broken up with someone um had a sort of string of unsuccessful relationships and was trying to decide and get her head around the stigma and the taboo and so I would definitely say read that because it really helped me become more positive about it I think yeah just really uh, you know there's uh spend time sort of you know listening to brilliant podcasts like this and, and thinking and and trying to seek out women who are doing the same thing you know the open evenings most clinics do them now and I think they're they're brilliant and yeah. the doctors that I've come across are you know wonderful and I mean of course they're on, on, on one level they're you know charging a lot of money for this thing but um mm-hmm. I, I just think doing the research and the homework and you realize that you're not the only person there are lots of other women who are you know thinking about these things um so don't feel like you're sort of going it alone if you have you know uber traditional parents or you know people that you feel would disprove of doing this it's just try and think of it as the most positive thing that you could be doing at this point and when your podcast comes out i guess have a listen yes i was going to record this podcast about the whole egg freezing process purely to hopefully encourage and, and help women who are in um uh, yeah in in this position i was about to say and guys and i was like no because guys definitely don't have ovaries i should know that if i'm doing a podcast <laughs> about egg freezing um so yeah i'm going to record a podcast it's going to be sort of warts and all like me i think in the scans me injecting myself mm-hmm. me sort of the ups and downs of the drugs because i just thought again you know anything that's out there that can help people feel like it's less of an embarrassing yeah. thing i, I want to do so hopefully that will be coming when we're let outside again cool well it's been so nice to talk to you i've loved it thank you for letting me talk about myself for so long yeah So we're talking about egg sharing. We are talking about egg sharing, which is is quite an interesting thing. How the fuck does that work? Yeah. Do, how much do you know about egg sharing, Gabs? I don't know enough. I know that it can be a good option for reducing your um, IVF costs, potentially, if you're someone that yeah. potentially could get a lot of eggs. Yeah. Um, and that's that's about it. I know that it's a very good thing to do because obviously you're giving someone else the gift of an egg. Yes. But quite a psychological thing to do. Yes, huge. Definitely. Huge, huge. A lot of, you need to do a lot of thinking about that one, other than I might save a bit of money and do something nice for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Like the people who do do it are absolute heroes, I think. Mm, mm. I guess Professor Tim is the expert. So let's hear what he had to say. So egg sharing is a way that many clinics will use to try and increase the number of donor eggs available. In the UK, there's an absolute shortage of donor eggs. And so clinics will often be asking if people want to come in and be altruistic donors, which means that someone will come in, go through an IVF cycle and donate their eggs um, without keeping any for themselves. Um, and you know, they may not have any fertility issues, so purely doing it altruistically and, an- and anonymously. Um, understandably, there's not lots of women like that coming forward. So many clinics will do egg sharing. So egg sharing is where someone who themselves need IVF agrees to anonymously donate, for instance, half of their eggs during an IVF cycle. They need to meet the same criteria as an altruistic anonymous donor. So by that, what I mean is they need to um, be 35 years old or younger. They need to have good levels of ovarian reserve, no family history of any genetic issues in the background. Um, and they also need to go through various tests, for instance, for um, genetic conditions and also infection testing. If they then do that, they would then, if they pass those, they'd also then need a counselling session to just to check that they're fully aware of the implications of donating half of their eggs. One of the implications, obviously, could be that, um, as per the law in the UK, when children born from donation are 18, they can trace the donor. So that's one aspect. And if someone's egg sharing, they need to take into consideration the possibility that their own IVF may not work. So they may never have any children, but they may have donated eggs to someone else. So someone else may have had children from um, the donor's genetic 
you know, from, from their eggs and how would they feel about that. So it's sort of implications counselling. They would then go into the IVF cycle and again how it's done would depend, would vary from clinic to clinic. But certainly um, here in Oxford, we, the, the, the egg sharer would just go through a completely normal IVF cycle. Clearly we ensure um, that the sharer and the recipient uh, don't meet, so appointments and things are varied around that. And then when it gets to the, the day of egg collection, then half of the eggs would then be donated, as long as there's a minimum certain number that they meet. And those eggs would then be donated to the recipient woman. Um, those, those spare eggs that have been donated can either be frozen for later use or they can be donated fresh. So they would then be inseminated with the recipient uh, male partner or donor sperm, if uh, donor sperm is being used, to make embryos. The embryos would be grown on and they would then be transferred or an embryo would then be transferred into the uterus of the recipient. And um, obviously she would have had to have taken oestrogen and progesterone so that everything is synchronised uh, ready for that fresh transfer. And that essentially is how egg sharing works. And it's, it's a really good thing, I think, because the, the donor um, is helping the recipient um, the payback usually is that there's a significant reduction in the cost of the cycle for the egg sharer, for the donor. Uh, so essentially the, the money that is being paid to have an egg donation cycle by the recipient, whether that's self-funded or NHS funded, that money is put towards the cost of the egg sharer. Uh, and obviously the degree of reduction in cost will very much, uh, will very, very much dependent on uh, the particular clinic. Yes, we are. Who was an absolute joy. To she was to. an absolute joy. She was. Yeah. Um, so look out for that. Um, and that's it. That's it, guys. Uh, just leaves us to say a few thank yous. Thank you to Sophia Manikouts. Thank you to Liz and Nick. Thank you to Acast. Thank you to Professor Tim. Oh, thanks, Professor Tim. <laughs> thank you to you and I. Thank you to you, the listeners. Indeed. Have a good week, guys. Have a lovely week. We'll see you next week. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.